Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Sing it like you mean it. I say yes, Lord, yes. Your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. I will trust and obey. Spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer will... Let that be your prayer tonight. One more time. Oh, I say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your Spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. There's a lot going on in that song. If you really think about the words, there's a lot going on there. Amen. I will trust you and I will obey. You know, when you pray a prayer like that, you have no idea. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. So when you agree and you say, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me to go. And I'll obey when you say, and I'll say yes. And then he drops something on you that you weren't expecting. That happens a lot more than you think. There's lots of people that are missionaries in foreign countries that said, Lord, I'll just go wherever you want me to go. And he said, good, I want you to go to Vietnam. And they were like, wait a minute. Oh, no, you said, right? Can't renege on God, can we? And if he's, what did, what did you, you said one time? If it's God's will, it's God's bill. He's going to take care of it. That doesn't just mean money. Amen. Praise God. The Lord wanted me to read this to you tonight. This is not part of what I'm going to teach. He just, I just felt prompted to read this in Hebrews 4 and 11. Some of you could probably quote it. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and of the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. How many believes that tonight? I mean, really, do you really believe that? He's a surgeon. He created us. He can get down in the nitty-gritty, down in the molly grubs, down wherever we're at. He can get down in there and just get down and, and find stuff we got hidden down there. By what? How does he do that? By this word. 
His Word. His Word. Praise God. Won't we let, won't we let, God ha- let God's Word have its way tonight? Amen. Let's pray one more time. And let's pray in sincerity, because God knows if you're sincere or not. Let's pray that God will help us to lay all this stuff down that we've been worried about and concerned about all day, and that he'll just let us receive what he has for us tonight. Amen? Father, we love you tonight. Jesus, we give you praise and glory and honor. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word that's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Father, you had the disciple Paul write that for our benefit. Lord Jesus, your word is there for our benefit. Lord Jesus, your word is there, O God, to do what it needs to do, to cut, O God, and to decipher, Lord Jesus, and to bring about repentance, to bring about conviction, to bring about the things, O God, that you sent it to do. Lord, that your word would go forth tonight and do what you sent it to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 10, and then verse 13. I'll give you a few minutes if you want to get there in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. This is otherwise known as the love chapter. I had to read this at my sister. Well, I didn't have to. My sister asked me to read this at her wedding. Hallelujah. Verse 1. Thou, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... I am become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoice not in iniquity, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fall, fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And verse 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. God, the greatest gift... The greatest gift. It's it's not Christmas time. But we're going to talk about the greatest gift that God ever gave mankind. That word charity in the King James, I don't know why they use the word charity everywhere else. It's the word love. Because that's what the, the translators just put that word in there, I guess. Must have been a favorite word of King James or something. I don't know. Yes, exactly. So that word love in the New Testament 
is the word agape. Agape, we've all heard that word, right? According to LearnReligions.com, agape is the term that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is His ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for the lost and fallen people. God gives this love without condition, unreservedly to those who are undeserving and inferior to Himself. Isn't that an awesome definition? I thought it was. It really spoke to me. That word agape in the Greek means to love. Love, affectionate regard, goodwill, benevolence. With reference to God's love, it is God's willful direction toward man. He willfully loves us. It involves God doing what he knows is best for man and not necessarily what man desires. That's powerful. God knows what we have need of, even though we might not know. And there's some things that God knows that we have need of that if you asked us, we would say, oh, no, I don't need that. Because our flesh would say, oh, no, I'm good. But God knows we need some stuff. We need some trials in our life. Don't know about you, but I want to be perfected. I want to be tried in the fire, as the Bible says. I want to be purified like pure gold. We've all heard the story about the silversmith when the lady's talking to him, and he finally says, oh, don't, don't talk to me right now. It's at that point, I've got to catch it at the right spot when that silver just shines like glass. I want to be that. And I want God to do whatever he's got to do in my life to get me there. Because without him, I can't be saved. Without all of you in this room, I could. you all can't save me. But I need him. And I need whatever it is he needs in my life to come to pass. I don't, don't get me out of the storm, God. Leave me there. Leave me going through the thing i got to go through. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? He loves us. Because he loves us. He loves us. He agapes us. He really does. Those definitions that I just read to you, he does, he has that towards us. Just think about that for a minute. Just, just the love that he had for us, that the things that he did for us, we didn't deserve it. That one definition said, undeserved, uh, God gives the love without condition, his, this love without condition, unreservedly to those who are undeserving and inferior to himself. We really are inferior to God. We are his creation. Yes, we are. But we're just old clay pots. We're just lumps of dirt. Remember, man, I remember this as a kid when I was Catholic. They would say this at every, every funeral, and they would say it during some of the services. Remember, man, that you are dust, and dust you shall return. I think it was Ash Wednesday said, they said that or something. And I'll never forget that. But we are dust. We're dirt. He formed us from the dust of the ground. Folks, we need His love. 
So let's let's go back through this these scriptures that we read. One verse at a time. This is what the Lord told me to do. So 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And I just, this is just me. I like to just look at other translations and I like to look at, at other things, other men out there that are going and looking at the more in depth at the Greek and trying to, to really get down to what were they really saying. Not to just diminish what the, the writers and the translators of the King James Version did, but they're just trying to get it a little deeper. Don't you want to get a little deeper? I do. So there's this translation called the Weist Expanded Translation of the New Testament. And this is what verse 1 of that chapter says in Weist's translation. It says, If in the languages of man I speak in the languages of the angels, but do not have love, and then in brackets it says, Greek word here used of God's love produced in, in the heart of the yielded saint. It's the Greek word used for God's love produced. It's not our love. It's God's love produced in the heart of the yielded saint by the Holy Spirit, a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of the loved one or the one being loved. That is awesome. You can know 14 languages and you can speak in angels' languages and you can do all these great things, but if you don't have this kind of love, you're just a big, you're just a noisemaker like one of those things that they, New Year's Eve, you know, that's all you are is just a bunch of noise. And that's what we sound like to the world sometimes, is just noise. Think about that. God, do I just sound like a bunch of noise? What do they think of me? I know that we shouldn't care what people think, but it's important that that we're concerned about our witness. What is our witness saying? Not our words. Plenty of people can talk a good talk, but they can't walk a good walk. Talk is cheap. Anybody ever heard that one before? 13 and 1 in the Amplified says this, If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for, for and in us, I am only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So this agape love we're talking about is God love. It's something that God created. It, we'll get into this. But it's the kind of love that he's, what he's talking about in this, in this chapter, what Paul is saying. And we understand that Paul wrote under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. He wrote these letters to these churches. Why? Why did Paul feel impelled or impressed of the Holy Ghost to write these letters? There was a reason. Because there was things going on in these churches that Paul through the, through the Holy Ghost telling him to write these letters, he was addressing some things. So that's, I believe that's why the Lord had me read that scripture about script, all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable. God is trying to use, he uses his word to get a hold of us. 
We need to feel something. We need to feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost in our life. In every service that we sit in, there's got to be something that God's trying to deal with in each life. Because when I stand up here, when he stands up here, I don't know what's going on in your individual lives. But he knows everything. And he loves you. And he will do whatever it takes. He'll send whoever he's got to send to speak a word to you to try to get in there and get a hold of your, get your attention and try to say something that you need to hear. And we don't have shovel ministry in this church, do we, Pastor? Don't be shoveling it to the guy behind you. Say, this is for me. I need to hear this. Tell yourself that. We need, I need to hear this. John 13, 34 and 35 says this, A new commandment I give unto you. This is Jesus speaking. That you love, or you agape, that word agapao, A-G-A-P-A-O, is the root for the word agape. The word agape comes from that word. That you love, or agapao, one another, as I have loved, or agapaoed you. That you also agapao love one another. Can we just park there for a second? We gotta love one another, folks. We gotta agapao. We gotta love each other with the love of God. It's not in us. I'll give you. I'll give you a break. It's not in us to love each other of our in and of of ourselves. Because there's stuff about some of y'all that I don't like, and there's stuff about me that you all probably don't like. And you can't love me for that. But through God, you can. It's not in us to love like God, like Jesus loved. This is Him talking. By this, by this love, by this type of love that's operative in your life, shall all men know that you're my disciples. How many wants to be a disciple? How how many wants to be known by Him? I want Jesus to say I'm His disciple. I don't care if you say I'm his disciple. I want him to say it. I want him to believe it. By this shall all men know. All men. That's everybody. That's everywhere you go. That word all there is the word pause. It means all. Revelation, it means all. Hallelujah. If you have love, now that word is agape. You look it up in the Greek in that scripture. If you have agape... One to another. I gotta love you, Pastor. I gotta love brother and sister. I gotta love you, Bob. I gotta love the people. I gotta love those people out there. It doesn't matter what they look like. There's no stipulation in here where Jesus said this. Period. In the story, you gotta love with the love that Jesus put in us. Let the love of Jesus Christ, what does that scripture say? Be shed abroad in our hearts by what? The Holy Ghost. That means you've got to have the Holy Ghost in operation in your life in order to be able to love the people that you come across every day. Because there's some stuff about those people that is not lovable. It's not. That's the truth. But such were some of you. I used to have a foul potty mouth. I used to not be a very lovable person. When somebody got around me and says, ah, you know, I'm a non-smoker, 
Now, really, that's, that side stream smoke bugs me. I'd say, oh, really? And I'd take a big old puff and I'd blow it right in their face. Just out of spite. There's people like that in this world that we're going to come across every day. And you still got to love them and you still got to say to yourself, in spite of what your flesh is telling you, you got to say to yourself, that's a soul. Lord, say what Jesus said on the cross. Forgive them. They know not what they do. Talk about love. He wasn't just saying that about the people standing there that day, folks. That forgive them for they know not what they do was for us, too. It was for us. Thank God he loved us enough. He was thinking about everybody in this room when he went on that mountain and he bled great sweating drops of blood. He was thinking about us because he's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew who we were then. He loved us. That word agapao is to esteem, love, indicating a direction of the will and finding one's joy in something or someone. It differs from filio to love, indicating feelings, warm affection, the kind of love that expressed by a kiss. It's not about affections. What are we supposed to, one of the things we're supposed to crucify are affections and lusts? <laughs> Don't trust your affections. Don't trust your emotions. They'll lie to you every time. And that's what we do sometimes. We let our emotions get in the way in a situation and we forget about shedding abroad the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Because that's what's going to draw people. What did we just read? This is how they're going to know that we're His disciples. Not how many scriptures we know. Not, not how great of a singer we are. Not all this other stuff. It's going to be the love. It was the love in that church in Okinawa, Japan that drew me. And I heard that testimony out of the mouths of so many people that came into that church. And it wasn't like we were standing around, okay, everybody, we got to show love today because we got visitors coming. No, we didn't never, we never did that. It was just, it was a part of who that church was. It just natural, it just happened naturally. Don't we want to have that kind of love being shed abroad from us? Don't we want people to feel that when they're, when they're around us and they're going, I don't know what it is about you. I'm not even religious, but there's something about you. We got this preacher in Puyallup, Washington that was going to I told this story before. He was going to church with his wife, and the Lord prompted him to go to the taco place and get two tacos. And she's like, no, we can't. i got stuff to do at the church. He said, yeah. So they got to the light where the church was this way and the taco place was this way, and he turned right. And they went to the taco place, and he walked in with his wife. And she sat down, and he walked up to the counter and started ordering food. This other lady was sitting there as he tells the story. And she says to him, where are you from? This, this other customer sitting at the, he's like, what are you talking about? He said, she said, I felt the Holy Ghost when you, when you spoke to order your food. And she was a backslider. That's why God told them to go to the taco place on a Sunday on the way to church. 
God will stop you in your tracks. He'll divert you on your way to church if you're listening. Because God loved that lady enough, and she was probably praying, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do, but if you don't send somebody to talk to me, I might just commit. I don't know what. I don't know the story. But he was there when he was supposed to be there. And they loved on that lady, and from what I understand, she came back to church, and it was a, it was a good ending. But he loves us. He loves us enough that he'll send somebody out of their way to our, into our pathway on purpose to save us. Jesus desires for his believers to look like, act like, and act like him so that mankind will have no doubt that we are his disciples. And it starts when we exercise our Holy Ghost capacity to love each other. You've got to love each other first. If we can't love each other in this room, we're not going to do anything out there. We've got to love each other, folks, with the love of the Holy Ghost. Luke 9.23 says, And he said unto them, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus loved everywhere he went. Follow him. I believe that word follow is, is the same word as the word imitate. Same word that Paul used. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. It took a lot of love, Holy Ghost love in Paul's life to go through stuff that he went through and to endure things that he went through from his own people. Same ones that crucified Jesus were now after Paul. People of his own household, the Jews. Some of our biggest heartaches and headaches are going to come right out of this group right here. It's just a principle. We've got to get past it, folks. i got to love you. I don't get to. i got to. 1 Corinthians 13.2 says in the New King James, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I looked that up in the Greek. It said, I am nobody and I am nothing. You're a nobody to God if you don't have love. Weiss expanded translation of that verse says, And if I have the gift of uttering divine revelations and know all the mysteries and all of knowledge, and if I have all the faith so that I can that I am able to keep on removing mountain after mountain, but am not possessing love, I am nothing of no value to the kingdom. One translation said that there where it said, If I am able to, to remove mountains, so that I can get the glory. It's not about going around with our gifting that God's given us so that we can see, say, see, look what I did. There's plenty of men that have gone before us that aren't apostolic, but that have started hospitals and all kinds of things over one gifting that God gave them. And they took it, they took it too far. Spirit of the prophet, subject to the prophet, right? Prophecy, that word prophecy is 
a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked or or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events. That's in the Greek. Whether reproving and admonishing the wicked. Prophesying is what? Preaching. Proclaiming the Word of God. It's not, it's not necessarily a prophetic ministry, although it can be that, but what does is what is Joel chapter two say? When your sons and, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, preach, proclaim, town crier. Anybody ever heard of one of those before? We read that scripture at the beginning. What's the purpose of the word of God? Not to make us feel good. Jesus said, "I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword." He, he came to bring division. This word cuts. It divides. Look at what happened to the, those Jewish, the, all the rabbis and all the people that came against Jesus. It, it cut to the quick. They were feeling conviction, but they didn't handle it very well. They decided to just do him in. It's all a matter of how we handle conviction. And God is sending conviction out in this room right now. Every time that man right there stands up here and speaks, he's sending conviction out there to somebody. And you need to receive it. Because it's for your good. Because it's coming from a God that loves you. Enough to send a voice to speak to you. doesn't matter who it is. And besides, all spiritual gifts come from Him anyway. They belong to Him. We're just stewards of them when He allows them to be operated, operative in our life. He entrusts them to us to be used for His glory, not our own. We've got to remember that. Every one of us is capable of operating in any one of those nine gifts. If God chooses to use you in that, that operation, then He might not choose to use you in any other gifting, but He might choose to use you in just that one. And you need to endeavor to be the very best user of that gift that you can for His glory. And you take no glory for it. Chapter, uh, verse 3 in 1 Corinthians 13. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, look at me. I gave everything away. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, agape, Love, it profiteth me nothing. Weast Expanded Translation says it this way, And if I use my possessions to feed the poor, whose possessions are they? I I highlighted those words. (laughs) They're not ours. They're not yours. If God tells you to give it away, give it away. You better. Because He's got something better for you if you do. If I use all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body as a martyr in order that I may glory, but do not have love, I am being profited in not even one thing. Man, I gave everything away, and I allowed myself to be burned at the stake. Look at me, everybody. Aren't I wonderful? Look at this martyr. What that's saying 
That's what it's saying. That's what it's saying to me. So if we don't have love, agape, that love God produced in the heart of the yielded saint, in the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, a love that impels one to deny himself for the sake of, of the one that's being loved, then we provide no value to the growth and addition of his kingdom. We're useless to the kingdom. Who wants to be that? Who wants to be known by God or anybody else to be as being useless to the kingdom? Because I'm so hung up on myself and all, all look at me and all the stuff I'm doing that I'm missing the whole point. If you did none of that stuff, but you had love, you're fulfilling the whole law, the Bible says in one place. We are just making noise to no profit for us or for the kingdom. You're just, you're just, you're just religious at that point. It has been said, and many of you have probably heard this before. I'm sure you have. But it's been said that we should love the sinner and hate the sin. Everybody agree with that? We should love the sinner and hate the sin. Thank God for that. If somebody loved the sinner, <laughs> and in spite of the sin, they sat down with me and taught me a Bible study and brought me to where I am. Thank God for that. But could we be guilty at times of spending too much time hating the sin and not enough time loving the sinner? Could we be guilty of that? I'm not accusing anybody. I'm letting God take care of that. Could we be guilty of turning that, flipping that sentence around and hating the sin and spending all of our time hating the sin and missing the opportunity to love the sinner? that's what they're looking for. Somebody that's real. Something that's real. Everything else they've tried has just been like sand falling through their fingers. It just has no, has no substance to it. I want them to feel the substance of the power of the Holy Ghost. Not that I'm anything. I'm just a servant. I'm just, a, I'm just God's son. I'm filled with His Spirit. I just want that to be emanated from me like Light from a light bulb. I just want them to feel the love of God. Don't you? Verses three, uh, 13, verse 4 through 5 says this. Charity suffereth long. Doesn't the Bible say something somewhere about being long-suffering? Same thing. What does long-suffering mean? You have a high tolerance. Anybody ever heard of the term of having a high pain tolerance? You have a high tolerance. You can tolerate some stuff. Charity has that as an attribute. Another attribute, charity is kind. Kindness will get you everywhere. Charity envieth not. Anybody ever felt an envious spirit? It's, it's hanging around if you let it. What's, a, what's, what's an envious spirit? Well, they got that and I don't. Right? I just drive this old junkie car. Why, do I, why can't I have a new car? That's an envious spirit. you got to be careful of that. It leads to covetousness, covetousness and all kinds of other stuff. Just be thankful for what you got. 
If God gave it to you, just be thankful for it. When He wants you to have something else, He'll give it to you. Charity vaunteth not itself. Do I have to explain that? You don't get all lifted up in yourself. Followed by is not puffed up. That word, that, that set of words there means arrogant. Charity's not arrogant. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't like an arrogant spirit. And Lord, help me if I have one. I don't think I do. I pray I don't. Can we fall into that? If we're not careful, we can. We expanded translation. That same two verses says, Love meekly and patiently bears ill treatment from others. Love is kind, gentle, benign, pervading and penetrating the whole nature. That love of God, it penetrates and pervades our very nature. It becomes who we are, or it should. Mellowing all of which we have been, have, would have been harsh and austere. Mellowing all which we would have been harsher and austere. Is not envious. Love does not brag, nor does it show itself off. Is not ostentatious and does not have an inflated ego. Boy, I'll tell you what feeds into all of that. Social media. Right? Everybody wants to post. You know, I I read an article or I think somebody preached a message about social media and they said that the pictures you see of these wonderful families with the two kids and the dog and everything looks wonderful in the pictures they post on Facebook, but in real life it's not like that. They're miserable. They're wretched. They have nothing, but they're trying to portray that they have something that they don't have. And that makes them even more miserable. Does not act unbecomingly, does not seek after the things which are its own, is not irritated, provoked, exasperated, aroused to anger, does not take into account the evil which it suffers. We gotta beware that spirit of retribution. Well, I can't I can't believe they treated me that way. Well, just think about Jesus or Paul. For just a second. Okay? He was despised. Go ahead, and <clears throat> go ahead and go right to Psalm 53. He was despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was acquainted with grief. There's one scripture that says, Beware when men speak well of you. It's true. We gotta beware. Thirteen, six and seven says, Rejoice not in iniquity, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. A lot of attributes to this love that God puts in us, isn't there? We have to ask ourselves, Am I are all those things operative in my life? I mean, talk about searching yourself. Verse 6 and 7 in the Amplified says this, It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. 
Do we do that? Do we look for the best in somebody? Or are we quick to judge? We quick to point out their flaws. We quick to point out their weaknesses and and their failings and, and all those things. It hopes its its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. We're gonna to have to endure some stuff. If you haven't already, you're going to. It's coming. All who live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Shall suffer persecution. So don't think it's strange when these things, these fiery things, when all this hell and fire comes at you. Don't think it's strange. Don't think it, what, what did I do now, God? No. Think about what is this in my life for, God? Help me to learn the lesson or whatever I got to do so I can get past this storm. Job had a lesson to learn. And God's not a respecter of persons. And if He's willing to put somebody through that to get down into the depths of their heart and soul to get whatever is in there out of there so that they can be even more purified, He's not going to hold back on us, folks. He'd have to go apologize to Job. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Just because what happened to Job is not happening to you, don't think that, well, that will never happen to me. (laughs) Never say never. Verse 8 through 10 says, Charity never faileth. Not just any kind of charity. Agape. God's love never fails. Now, He can say never, Because he's God. And he's speaking through the Apostle Paul by the Holy Ghost. So this is God speaking, right? But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Amplified, same same verses says this, love, that agape love that's operative in us or supposed to be, never fails, never fades out and becomes obsolete or becomes or comes to an end. Why? Because it's God's love. We just read his love never fails, right? Same thing. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. For knowledge is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. And our prophecy, our teaching, is fragmentary, incomplete, and imperfect. But when the complete and perfect total comes, the incomplete and imperfect will vanish away become antiquated, void, and superseded. Now, this is what I read out of that. You know, Paul said that that we don't come to, I don't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom, right? 
but in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. And we do our best as men, women. We do our best to bring what we feel like God's given us to speak. We do our best. But that, that Scripture is talking about For we know in part and we prophesy in part. We, we only know part of the deal. We don't have the whole picture. God's got the whole picture. Jesus has the whole picture. And when He comes, when the complete one comes, those of us that have been doing it partially, been doing the best we can do under the power of the Holy Ghost, He's going to, not that we're going to be done away with, but all of our efforts is going to be superseded by Him. He is going to be the, he's the ultimate knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, all those things. But when the complete and perfect comes, there's only one complete and perfect one that I know and you know. His name is Jesus. All of our efforts are going to be just forgotten. You're not going to remember, oh man, I can't. when we get up to heaven, man, I remember when you preached that, Pastor. Nope, not going to be talking about stuff like that. I remember when she preached that. Man, that really touched me. Nope. Nobody's going to be talking about that. We're going to be busy worshiping the King. Verse 13, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity, agape, love. And so faith, hope, love, in the Amplified, it says this, even, And so faith, hope, love, abide, faith, conviction, and belief, respecting man's relation to God and divine things, hope, joyful and confident, expectation of ex- of eternal salvation, love, true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for and in us. That's what this love that we're talking about is. These three, but the greatest of these is that love, that agape love. If we Before we strive for any gifts, in my humble opinion, before we strive for anything else, we need to strive in our hearts and minds and in our lives to find that place in us where we can actually operate in that love that was shed abroad. That Let it be shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I know that we got to put on the armor every day and we got other things we got to do in, that are in that book. We got to, you know, we got to, I, I need to know what Psalms 27 says because I got to come up against some fiery darts sometimes. I got to pray that scripture out loud so that the devil hears it and he runs. But we got to find love, folks. All of our enticing words and all that stuff's not going to amount to a hill of beans to the people out there if they don't feel the love of God in this place, among us. If there's bickering, strife, envy, the Bible talks about all that stuff in the in the epistles, right? It does. Paul has to deal with that stuff in the churches. Then bitter strife and envy. That can be operative in here too. But we have to use our discernment. We've got to meet that stuff out. Get it out of here. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. Luke six twenty-seven through 29 says this, But I say unto you, which hear, let him that have ears, let him hear, right? This is Jesus talking. Love your enemies. 
We could just spend a whole service on that. Love your enemies. Because we could define enemies a whole bunch of ways. Can we have enemies in the church? God forbid, but yes. We, we always think externally, but do good to them which hate you. What? No. uh Yeah. Do good to them which hate you. And you know they hate you. They hate your guts. And you want to hate them back. But you can't. Not if you're apostolic. Not if you've got the love of God in you. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. What? Nobody likes to hear this. Pray for them, which despitefully use you. And that's not talking about praying, Lord, strike them dead tomorrow. Hit them with a bolt of lightning right now, God. That's not the kind of praying he's talking about. Hit them with a dump truck. Whatever you got to do, God, get them out of here. They're, they're really getting on my last nerve. No, that's exactly what we think because our flesh, don't. it rises up sometimes. It was our turn. And they cut right in front of me. How dare they? And we bless them out in Jesus' name. Pray for them that despitefully, they don't just use you, they despitefully use you. They, they, it's a premeditated thing. It's a premeditated, they despitefully, they, they intended on doing it. It's like the bully in the schoolyard. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, hit him back. Nope. <laughs> Offer also the other one. <laughs> that felt good. Try this side. That'll freak them out, right? Yeah. I'll never forget the story of a preacher that a guy came into his church. I heard him tell it. He, he was the one that this happened to, and He's 80-something now, but this guy came in his church on, on an off. He was in the office, and the guy came into the office to talk to him, and next thing you know, he's getting beat up by this guy. And he just let himself get beat up. He didn't fight back. He said he felt like God told him, just let it happen. And that guy fin- finished beating him up and walked out, and he never said word to him, word nothing. He, I mean, people knew that he got beat up, but he just kind of left it go. Several months later, here come that guy in his church. Coming down the aisle, all bent over like this, couldn't stand up straight. Come up straight up to the front, apologizing to that pastor the whole way, feeling bad. God dealt with him. God put him in that state. So if somebody's being mean to you, if somebody even beats you up, God's going to deal with them. Because you don't mess with God's kids. Right? You just don't. Him that taketh away thy cloak. Call the cops. Right? No. Forbid it not and take not forbid him not to take your coat also. Here, while you're at it, you can have this too. That's what I call heaping coals of fire upon their head. That's in the Bible too. Right? Loving on them. Hey, what? since you got my coat and there's a Starbucks right there, can I buy you a cup of coffee while we're at it? That'll just blow their mind. 
and you're smiling the whole time, and they've got your clothes on. You talk about winning somebody. You don't think that'll win somebody? If that happens to somebody in here after today, I had nothing to do with it. But you'll remember what I said, and you'll remember what to do, right? I hope. John four sixteen to twenty one, and we have known and believed that the love of God, that the love that God hath to us, God is love. Almost the best three words in the Bible, right there. God is love. He's the author. I looked at that that little three-word sentence there up in the Greek, and it says he's the author and source of love. It's his love. It's his love. And he that dwelleth in love, agape, dwelleth in God. And God in him. Sounds simple, right? Easy to say, hard to live. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the... Don't read ahead. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Think about that scripture when you're feeling that spirit of fear come on you. And don't sit there and say it doesn't, because it does. To whatever level. It does. Whatever situation you're in, we'll, we'll at times feel that spirit of fear because he's trying to get us to not do what God's telling us to do. Don't do that. You'll look like a fool. You'll sound like an idiot. I'm the only one that's ever heard that. We love him. Because he first loved us. We agape him. It's important that we understand agape. We agape him, but we couldn't agape him unless he first agaped us. He agaped us first. So that in there in that what I read into that, and I know we shouldn't do that, but I what I read into that is that. I can't just receive his love. I got to return it. I got to give it back. Love is not a one-way thing. It's it's got to be given back, especially the love of God. And how do we love him? Just by making ourselves available. I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see. See if I can be completely yours. If a man say I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. That's one of those hard scriptures. If that's if, if God's dealing with you about that, so be it. The man say, I love God, and he hateth his brother, and that word hateth can mean many things. It's not just I hate you. You can hate your brother in so many ways it's not even there's there's not enough time to mention it all. He's a liar. 
This is the Holy Ghost talking. You don't love God if you hate your brother. That's what it's saying. That's why you're a liar. You're lying. If you hate your brother, how in the world can you love God? For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? If we can't love them, no matter what they look like, smell like, act like, talk like, walk like, if we can't love them with the love of God, the world out there is going to love them with another kind of love, and they're going to be destroyed. They're going to spend eternity in hell. They, they know they need this love, and they've got to feel it from us. And this commandment have we from Him. Him. Who's Him? Jesus. It's a commandment. It's not, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. That he who loveth God love his brother also. you got to love me. You don't have to like me. You should. But you do have to love me. That's what it's a command. It's a command. You might not like some of my my ways. I might I might grind on you know the way I talk, walk, act. I don't know. I mean my I, you know I got I got a brother that just gets on my last nerve sometimes. My own brother, my own flesh and blood. <laughs> In spite of that, and he's it's been like that since we were this big. But in spite of that, I still got to love him. I have to look past all that. Even though he's my flesh and blood, I still have to look past all that stuff that gets on my nerves even to this day at 64 years old and say, I still got to love him, God. We still got to love him, folks. You spend a year, you know, spend a year with somebody teaching them a home Bible study and trying to win them to God, and then they just come to your house one day and cuss you out and walk out. And you never see him again. Talk about, man, I just wasted a year with that guy, and he wants nothing to do with this. You can't. T- we have to be careful not to take that attitude. That's God's business. God adds to the church. We don't. We can't take credit for when bad stuff happens either. God's allowing them to make their own choice. And they shall have their reward, the Bible says. Let's all stand. I know some of you are saying, finally. But God sent me this to bring to you. This is from God. This is not from Brother Demuth. I just was the, the, the chosen vessel. You do with this what you want. Because I had to speak this to myself while I was speaking it to you. This is the first time I've heard this too. But we got to love, folks. we got to have that love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. we got to endeavor to be like that every time we walk out the door. Help me, Lord. Just pray that prayer. Help me, Lord, to love like you loved. He didn't turn anybody down. He even went and prayed for the Pharisees and scribes, and he tried to get, he tried to, he, he was telling them that they were whited sepulchers and all that stuff, but he was reaching for them. He was reaching for them. 
And sometimes, yeah, you've got to say some, some tough things, but tough love sometimes is, is what it takes. But you've got to use that spirit of discernment to know when it's the right time for that. But ultimately, we've got to love them, folks. We've got to love one another. I want to be his disciple, don't you? Father, we love you today. We praise you today. We thank you today for your guiding hand, for your outstretched arm of mercy and grace that you have extended to us today. You allowed us today to to live and breathe and move and have our being. You allowed us to breathe your air. You allowed our hearts to beat, O God. You allowed us to walk on two good legs and two good feet and have two good arms and two good eyes to see, Lord Jesus. You allowed us to be blessed in whatever way and whatever method you chose. Today, Lord, you allowed every trial and every test in our life, Lord Jesus, to help perfect us and to make us to be more like you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, as Paul prayed that prayer that till Christ be formed in us, Lord, I want you to be formed in me so completely, Lord Jesus, that it's not even a second thought. Lord, that i got to love them. They're a soul, Lord Jesus, that needs salvation. They need the love of God. And I'm the only love of God they're going to see right now, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would help us to remember this, O oh God, as we go through our day, as we go through our week, our month, our year, Lord Jesus, as we go about our life. Our life is not our own. We are bought with a price. We are your servants, Lord. We are the ones, O oh God, that you sent here to be your hands and your feet in this city. Help us to be that love to this lost world and to one another in this room. Lord, to the backslider that comes back, give us a love for the backslider, Lord. Give us a love for the lost in whatever form or in whatever fashion they come in, Lord Jesus. Help us to love them with the love of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, Jesus. Let's sing that song. I'll say yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you. When your Spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes. Lord, yes. Let's sing that one more time as we go. I say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey when your Spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, thank you for this service, for this day, for the opportunity to be among your people, Lord Jesus. Bless each one. I pray your blessing, your anointing. I plead your blood over every soul, heart, and individual in this place and in this city. Lord, let us be your light and witness in this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.